Hello, I'm Kathy. And I'm Gary. And this is Torah Talk. Welcome to Torah Talk, the intersection of the mundane and the miraculous. Here we have bold conversations about faith, culture, and politics, and where we fit into God's plans in the 21st century. If you could partner with God, would you? Haksameak, Gary. Haksameak. <laughs> no audience. Don't worry. Gary and I have not been drinking. <laughs> we are greeting each other with the traditional Hebrew holiday greeting, Hag Sameach. And I don't even say that perfectly, Gary. I think it's a more Exactly. You know, it means happy holidays. Hag means holiday and Sameach means joyful or happy. So Hag Sameach, everybody. Now, for those of you who might be new to all the Hebrew stuff and maybe new to Torah, we're not wishing each other an early happy Thanksgiving or Christmas and certainly not Halloween. Absolutely not. <laughs> it's time for a paradigm shift mm -hmm. from thinking in terms of man-made holidays to wrapping our heads and our hearts around God's holy days. The holiday season that is upon us now is the biblical fall holiday season. It begins with Yom Teruah, the Feast of Trumpets, followed by Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and then the joyous seven-day or eight-day holiday known as Sukkot, or the Feast of Tabernacles. Today we're going to talk about Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, its origins, its history, its requirements, and the joyous spirit of this holy day. We'll also be looking at the interesting connections between this holy day and the American holiday of Thanksgiving. In fact, we'll talk about how the men and women who founded our nation did so with a deep and abiding respect for the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Much of what we know as traditional American values are really biblical values, and much of what we know as American law and justice is actually based on the Torah. So after this brief message, let's talk about the Feast of Tabernacles, or Sukkot, and let's talk Torah. Long ago, God declared his redemptive plans for the world he created. Unfortunately, most people have ignored these plans. Now, as the end draws near, believers and non-believers are being irresistibly drawn to the celebration of the biblical feasts which outline God's plan of redemption for mankind in the world. If you found yourself curious about the biblical feasts and you want to know how and why Christians celebrate these holidays, read Declaring the End from the Beginning, Our Past and Future Revealed in the Biblical Feasts. In this book, author Kathy Martirosian delves into the history and culture surrounding the biblical feast days of ancient Israel as well as how Yeshua, our Messiah, has fulfilled four of these holy days in the past and how he will fulfill the other three when he returns. Visit TorahTalk21.com to purchase Declaring the End from the Beginning, our past and future revealed in the Biblical Feasts. 
I love talking about the biblical holidays. It's a welcome change, Gary, from the politics and culture. Yeah, it really is. And and as this as you're going to share, or we're going to share, this is a joyous feast. So you know we we can we can rejoice in God's time and uh, maybe put the put the craziness of the world behind us for, for just a, a while. short time, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah. So today we're talking about the biblical holiday known in Hebrew as Sukkot. Some may know it by the name the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths. This idea of uh, Sukkot being a, a, a small temporary hut or booth that's built, that's the primary feature mm-hmm. of this holiday. In the yearly cycle of biblical festivals, Sukkot is the final one, the culmination, the big joyous celebration. But before we dive into Sukkot specifically, let's back up and read Leviticus 23, 1 and 2. Gary, could you read that for us? Sure. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, These are my appointed festivals, the appointed festivals of the Lord, which you are to proclaim as a sacred assemblies. You know, the most important thing to to note in these two verses is whose festivals are they? Absolutely, Kathy. I mean, it's a, you know, we, so we're told, told so often about told that these are Jewish things. How many times have we heard that, right? But it says these are my my appointed feasts. Once That's, again, very that clear. Very clear. Yehovah is saying, and and if you look at the Hebrew there, it's Yud Hey It's Yehovah is saying these are my feasts. I have um, a Bible or two because I have a bunch of different ones. And some of them, even within the text of the Bible, speak about the Jewish mm. festival of Passover, for instance. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them have like, you know, has little uh, subtitles in the right. Bible that are added. Of course, those weren't part of the real Bible. Sure. It'll, it'll talk, it'll say something about the Jewish festivals. And we got to really get that out of our bo- vocabulary. I agree. Because they, it's incorrect. It is absolutely incorrect, especially in this case. And notice it says, speak to my children, my children, Israel. You know, this, this, if we claim to be, and you know, everybody r- runs to, to Paul in the Christian world mm-hmm. it's to get their doctrine, right? Well, Paul is the one that says we are part of the commonwealth of Israel. And I think almost, almost every Christian says we're children of God, everybody right? Everybody says that. Don't exactly. they? Yeah. Yes. So if he's talking to his children. And, and he's telling us that these are his festivals, his holidays, and he's inviting us to them. In fact, that gets us to the very important important phrase. It might be appointed festivals. In mm-hmm. your Bible, it might be feast. Um, the word there is the Hebrew word moedim. It's a plural. Moed mm-hmm. is singular. Mm-hmm. It means an appointed an appointment. Right. Um, God has set an appointment with us. We are so careful to make appointments with our doctor, a lawyer, a friend, and yet we don't make these appointments. We don't know to make these appointments. No, that's very true. That's that's sad. When not only it's it's tragic that we're missing the appointment. And even more more scary when we think that we don't even know that we're missing the appointment that God has set for us. And, you know, I looked at the Hebrew once again on Moed. And, of course, you're right. It's an appointment. It's a fixed time. And then I went a little bit deeper. It says a fixed time, a signal as appointed beforehand. 
And I thought, wow, think about that for a moment, a signal. You have a stop sign or a stoplight or even a train signal fixed there ahead of time so that when you when an appropriate time you stop correct yes. and what happens when we miss that signal that's not good tragic, <laughs> exactly <right>? yeah yeah <laughs> um i so i think that's really interesting we need to i think within christianity we have more of a um casual um approach to timing that's true god's timing mm -hmm. and we think that we can adjust it that if in our heart we're um, intending to do the right thing that the timing may not matter one thing you find when you read the torah is god is very specific with his timing very specific the month the day mm -hmm. the hour mm -hmm. even yeah very very specific and, and it, that's a, something that i think we've got to really think about agreed and i think uh, the other uh, danger there is that you mentioned what we're being casual is sometimes we think we know what god intends and therefore we can do something different and that was that was solomon's sin remember you know i think that i i if i guard my heart i can multiply wives and chariots right uh, never disaster. works. Never, disaster. never works. Right. The, the next part of these verses says, you are to proclaim, kara. Mm. It means exactly that. Call out loud, cry mm -hmm. out. These are not things you're to keep to yourself. And so we are to be proclaimers of these festivals, to call them out, to signal, well, and that might be signal. Yeah. Uh, you might signal it with the, the blast of the shofar, for instance, the Yom Teruah. Right. Um, but we are to let other people know that these are coming up, that these are happening. So proclaim them out loud, not just keep guarded in your heart, which sometimes there's things we do need to guard in our heart. Sure, but, but in this, this case, we're instructed. And that, give, that gives extra meaning to the fact that you and I have this platform. You know, not everybody's out there podcasting, although there are a lot of podcasters there's a today. Lot of podcasters. But, but not on this topic, necessarily. And here we are, you know, whoever's listening in our audience, you're, you're hearing us proclaim this is God's appointed time. My ministry that I had, the, the, the dance team and all, which you're very familiar with mm -hmm. and participated with us, we always identified ourselves as proclaimers because yeah. we taught the, the feast days and uh, that idea of proclaiming. The next word is what's used for sacred assembly, mikra. It is a public meeting. That's, that's right. It's a, it's a meeting, getting together. It's also a rehearsal. Mm. That's interesting, that too. Is. So you look at this idea of rehearsing for what? That's the importance of the feast is that they are rehearsals. They are these physical uh, activities that we participate in, in rehearsing for a grander spiritual fulfillment. Amen. I mean, you know, I know we're going to address it later, but this is something that uh, will occur in the millennial reign. That's right. That's right. And so we should be practicing. We should be practicing. The first moed, remember that's singular, that Leviticus 23 speaks of is the Sabbath. 
It is a weekly moed, a weekly Amen. appointment where God's standing at the door knocking, okay, mm-hmm. who's going to let him in on the Sabbath. Now, we've talked about the Sabbath. We always talk about the Sabbath. That's not what we're talking about today, <laughs> though. Although there are some Sabbaths there are Sabbaths, stuck into yes. this feast. Yes. You know, the next moed, uh, moedim described in Leviticus 23 are the yearly ones, the mm-hmm. annual ones that are generally divided into two groups, spring and and fall mm-hmm. okay so now these holidays it's important to remember they have both physical and spiritual components ancient israel the ancient israelites would not have been able to see in the same way we do all the spiritual meaning and of course the fulfillment of some of these holidays for instance yeshua as the ultimate passover lamb they couldn't have seen that not ahead of time necessarily not ahead of time but they still were to Uh, participate in these holidays as rehearsals amen and because they were participating think about think just pause for a moment in our audience think about just if you are there at the time of yeshua's you know it's been called the passion passion right right? if you were there what would you be you why were you there for for the passover Passover, right so you're participating and you were there at the appointed time and witnessed the one, you know, maybe the greatest thing that that happened on the earth. Because if it wasn't for what Yeshua did, we wouldn't be sitting here, right? right. So, so this is among the greatest miracles that God performs. And you're there because you you've kept the feast, you've kept your appointment. Therefore, you witnessed the apostles witnessed everything that God was doing through Yeshua. What a blessing. Yes. The blessing that comes. And then that's the, uh, that fulfillment, that understanding, this greater level of understanding. I mean, they didn't get everything right away. You know, right. they, it, it took them a while. Now, once the apostles, I think once the disciples saw mm-hmm. it, what happened, then they could think the back. Light and came they on. did. Yeah. And the light came on and they were like, whoa. Okay. Yeah. Now, they had done this all their lives as yes. faithful Jewish men. They had done this all their lives, and now this particular time, at the appointed time, in the fulfillment of God's time, he used this this particular Pesach to accomplish all he wanted to accomplish. Oh, it's so amazing it to is. me. And that's the same thing with, with the Shavuot, or what the church calls Pentecost. Had they not been there faithful, they would not have been there for the Spirit to, to, to be... For the to fire, be, tongues of fire to fall on them exactly. and to experience that, that indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So while we're keeping these feasts, who knows one day when we'll experience something of that nature? Well, of course. You know, the spring feast um, have been fulfilled at the first advent of Christ. Okay, mm. uh, So we have Yeshua as our Passover lamb. His perfect unleavened body was placed in the grave on the Feast of Unleavened Bread. He rose as the first fruits of the uh, harvest or the resurrection Amen. as the perfect first fruit. And then we uh, talked about Shavuot, okay, the mm-hmm. indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Now, we have been existing in these 2,000-plus years in We've got the spring feast done. We're in this kind of long, dry mm-hmm. summer time right. before the fall feasts come and are fulfilled spiritually. We're in those those that long, hot, summer, dry months. And, and Gary, I think we're toward the end of that summer. Yeah. <laughs> I, it really feels that way in every way, shape, or form right now, well, doesn't it? I always say we're closer to it than we've ever been before. Of course, right? yes. You know, so the fall 
feasts, the fall Moedim, begin with Yom Teruah, which is the Feast of Trumpets. And uh, every year locally we have a, a, a ministry that hosts the blowing of the trumpets out by the beach. And it's just a beautiful sight to see hundreds of people mm. sight, sound, I guess I'm trying to sure. say. It's a sound and a sight experience <laughs> um, along the beach and blowing the trumpets. It's, it's wonderful. In mm-hmm. fact, my daughter out in, uh, when she, since she moved to Texas, she's like, we don't have anything like that here yet. I'm thinking, well, maybe you should start. There you go. One <laughs> you day. might not be on the beach in Dallas, but <laughs> not there. <laughs> so then Yom Teru is followed by Yom Kippur, uh, which we all honored just a few days ago with the uh, with the fast, with the mm-hmm. humbling of ourselves before God. And then um, after that holiday, five days later, begins this very joyous festival of the Feast of Tabernacles or Sukkot. So it's the final feast of the yearly holiday season. And definitely my favorite. Mm. I, I, well, I say that. Then when I get to Passover, I think, oh, that's really my favorite <laughs> too. But it is very, very joyous. It is. And we're, we're, we're commanded to be joyful. And that seems odd, but it is. I think it's more of a, after pass after um, Yom Kippur and and pressing in and asking God's forgiveness and 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 then just coming out of that uh, you you feel the joy and the expectation of tabernacles you know yes Gary let's read um, if you would read us the the passages in Leviticus twenty three mm-hmm. and it's, it's going to be a bit of reading here folks so if you'd like. Go ahead and get your Bibles out and read, you know, read along with uh, Gary as he reads Leviticus 23, starting in verse 33, because this is all about the Feast of Tabernacles. Mm-hmm. Okay. Again, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, On the 15th of this seventh month is the Feast of Booths for seven days to the Lord. On the first day is a holy convocation. You shall not do any laborious work. For seven days you shall present an offering by fire to the Lord. On the eighth day you shall have a holy convocation and present an offering by fire to the Lord. It is an assembly. You shall not do any laborious work. On exactly the fifteenth day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the crops of the land, you shall celebrate the feast of the Lord for seven days, with rest on the first day and a rest on the eighth day. Now on the first day you shall take for yourselves the foliage of beautiful trees, palm branches, and branches of trees with thick branches, and willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. You shall celebrate it as a feast to the Lord for seven days in the year. It shall be a permanent statute throughout your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall live in booths for seven days. All the native born in Israel shall live in booths so that your generations may know that I had your sons of Israel live in booths when I brought you out from the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So Moses declared to the sons of Israel the appointed times of the Lord. As we look at this and break it down just a little bit, once again, we see this um, precision of timing Mm -hmm. so we've got the 15th day of the seventh month and we're talking here about a lunar calendar correct uh, so it does not match our solar gregorian calendar so that makes it a little tricky to wrap your head around and 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 sometimes we still struggle with that because it's not how we normally think in calendar terms it's not how we grew up thinking but obviously this is this was the hebrew way of thinking and and um it is 
the, the month started with in the spring with the month of Aviv. That's right. And when so Passover is when in Passover the spring. When Passover is, yes. So, so we're talking about a lunar calendar. So this holiday starts on the 15th day of the seventh month. And it talks about celebrating for seven days. But then it makes that interesting phrase that the first day and the eighth day mm. are going to be rest. So there is this kind of mysterious eighth day tacked on to the end of this particular holiday. And we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about that because that's got its whole other set of ideas. Um, suffice it to say that uh, eight means new beginnings. Yes. And um, we can go with that more a little bit later. But so the first and the eighth day are special Sabbaths, Shabbatons, they're known festival Sabbaths. No regular work can be done on those days, but you can prepare mm -hmm. for the holidays on, the, on those, those types of Sabbaths. This is a harvest holiday, too. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's after they bring in their crops. So it's celebrated in the fall harvest, see, after the fall harvest season right. where they've done all the work. Now they've got everything taken in. They can take a break. This was a perfect time to celebrate. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, we won't get into it now, but I think this is where the people get the impression that it's the end of the year because it's the last harvest of that particular year right. before we have the spring harvest. That's it, a whole other discussion. <laughs> I won't get into, but uh, um, yeah. so we call this this by the, the Bible calls this in uh, the feast of in gathering too. Mm -hmm. So it is that in gathering of the harvest. Exodus twenty through three tells us a little bit more about this I, this concept of in gathering too. Could you read that, Gary? Sure. Three times thou shalt keep a feast unto me in the year. Thou shalt keep the feast of unleavened bread. Thou shalt eat unleavened bread seven days as I commanded thee. You used the King James Version. I did on this one. I don't know why I switched. <laughs> I'm looking okay. at that going, okay. <laughs> in, the appointed, in the appointment of the month of Aviv, for in that thou cometh out of Egypt, and none shall appear before me empty. And the feast of harvest, the first fruits of thy labors. Now that's a little tricky because there is actually a couple different harvest festivals, and the first one is Shavuot. Yeah, because um, it's the feast that that's the wheat harvest. Yeah, right? we have the feast of first fruits, and then you have a first fruits feast uh, named for Shavuot because exactly. it's the first harvest. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, we can maybe break those feasts down again one day. Yes, oh, we oh, can. Yes. Okay. Which uh, which thou hast sown in the field. And the feast of ingathering, which is at the end of the year, when thou hast gathered the, the labors out of the field. Three times in the year, all thy males shall appear before the Lord God. So this is called a, uh, a this is a festival or a pilgrim, pilgrimage festival. Right. So this is when everybody was required by God to go to where God would put his name, which was in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And so and they would come and bring their sacrifices for that. And I think that, well, let's pause on that just for a moment, because we were talking about expectation a moment ago and we have Passover, something huge happened, happened on Passover yes. because they were there in Jerusalem. We have Shavuot or Pentecost, something huge happened and they were there Enjoy, for it. Right. So if this feast 
Tabernacles or Sukkot is another feast that we're to gather in Jerusalem for uh, this. We, we should follow expect, a pattern. We should expect great things to occur in, in when, when God ultimately fulfills this feast. Yes. You know, the harvest that we're talking about spiritually related to this feast is that future kind of harvest of souls that the mm-hmm. Bible talks about. This is the uh, when the Bible's talking about when the wheat is gathered in and the tares are burned. It's like in Matthew 13, it says, let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I'll tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Mm, My barn. Uh, Yes, Yes. my barn. So that that. So this this holiday has several different themes yeah. associated with it. This in gathering is is one of the themes, and we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the other themes. And uh, you know, when you say in gathering too, I see this because we're coming to Jerusalem. This this relates to the in gathering of the Jewish people in the final days, yes. the Aliyah, and it's also called the Feast of the Nations. If the, if the nations had only known that during this time there were 70 bulls killed one for each nation and prayers going out for the, for nations, the nations, for the nations, they would have treated Israel a little bit better. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> maybe. maybe. I don't know. I wouldn't hold my breath on that. Well, but true. yes, that is what happened yeah. uh, during this holiday. You're yeah. right. So the other thing that the Bible says is we're to, to live in booths um, that the word for plural for this booths or temporary huts is Sukkot, okay, which is mm-hmm. where the holiday gets its name. The singular is a sukkah. Right. So if you build a sukkah, that's one. Okay. Mm-hmm. You build more than one, you have Sukkot. And the 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 idea behind this, it says, is because I had the Israelites live in these booths when right. they were in the wilderness. The concept behind that though is that these are temporary. Right. These are temporary uh, buildings. They will go away. They're they're man-made. They will not last. Right. The concept of in the in the wilderness we had God looking over them in that pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire and he was the only thing that would be permanent. Amen. And I think Kathy we get a reminder of that. It's funny the hurricane season in Florida, you know, comes around. And I know you were going to talk about that uh, a little bit, but uh, we get a reminder of how temporary even our homes can be when, when the winds blow. Florida is a fantastic, fantastic and awful state to be in to celebrate this holiday okay (laughs) i always say every year okay it comes in september october it's still hot and the bugs are out and all that Mm. but it's when we get our hurricanes and and gary i don't know how many holiday seasons i've celebrated in the last 25 years that have been impacted in some way by By, a storm a a hurricane one year we had our, our camping trip which often this uh, people do go camping during the seven days. We had our camping um, uh, f- park, the park, mm-hmm. totally underwater. Underwater. So we yeah. couldn't go there. Mm-hmm. Now we did celebrate. We we mm-hmm. went someplace else to a friend's house. Um, a couple years ago, we were underwater again, but we still went out there because uh, the park was still open. Uh, one year, I put up my sukkah, and a storm came through, and the next day, my whole sukkah is in the pool. <laughs> Perfect Sukkot lesson. Perfect Sukkot lesson. Yeah. Um, So it, 
and so it's good in that way that that we're reminded we're reminded for sure i think i think uh, sadly and again we've been praying for the the folks in naples and fort myers and all the people that were affected by the latest storm um but it is it is a is a tragic reminder in many cases that we only have uh him that we that's, it, right. that, that's really secure and nothing else is do you remember, uh, I, I know you do, uh, you've been to Israel during mm -hmm. the feast, yeah. and the first time I went was during the feast, and probably, I, you know, I've only been a few times, you've been more than I have, I loved being there during the Feast of Tabernacles. Yeah. All the different uh, uh, creativity that you see and the, the Sukkot that the, the people build. Everybody has a little sukkah. Yeah, um, even on their balconies. Even on their balconies. Yeah. Um, they have, like, lots of times they have electrical lines running from their apartments down to the parking lot so they can get electricity mm -hmm. into their sukkah. Yeah. Um, and everywhere we went during this seven-day holiday, uh, every restaurant had a suka. We That's had pictures right. of us in the Burger King suka that had <laughs> it surrounded. It had advertising for Burger King, but you know but how fun was, was that? Yeah, it was a yeah, suka, yeah. um, and they they had them everywhere that we went. Even when we were there in 2005, and that was after the disengagement mm. from Gush Katif, which is a Gaza area, and they had taken all of the Jewish families out of that area they were in temporary tents mm -hmm. during this holiday mm -hmm. and we went to visit many of them in those temporary tents and because this holiday is associated with um, um you know Wondering. inviting people in and sharing with them even them living in their tents they shared with us they invited us in they shared their food and all that they had and they were living in tents it yeah. was it was profound to me i'm to, sure to experience that would that. have been quite an experience yeah. Yeah. yeah wow you know you also we're also told to celebrate with foil foliage <laughs> is that a hard foliage. word okay <laughs> branches yeah. of different kinds of trees beautiful trees um and there's there's some agreement as to what these branches are uh, one of them being a date palm like mm. the main one being a date palm and it's, it's myrtle and it's willow and then there is this um, fourth element, which is a etrog or a yeah. citron, yeah. which looks like a big bumpy lemon. Kind of, yeah. Right? Yeah, pretty okay. much. It looks yeah, like a big right. bumpy lemon. Sounds good. And so uh, there's, there's different ideas of how do you celebrate with, this, with these branches. Mm. Some say you decorate your sukkah with it, which is very common. Mm. Um, and then the other idea that I think is very prevalent, particularly in, in Israel and amongst the like Orthodox Jews, is to create this thing called a lulav. Yeah. And, and so it's these branches tied together, you know, kind of held together, and then this citron. And I do remember watching Orthodox Jewish men um, they hold they hold these very tightly and then they would bow in the different directions uh, mm -hmm. north south east and west they'd stand before the wall and do it, it was pretty intense i remember yeah. looking at it, it was very yeah. to me it didn't look necessarily joyous or festive but that you know in their heart that was how they were interpreting the commandment well you the key word there was heart yes and i, I you know kathy i'd love to share right now a story about that because you're you're hitting on something that uh, near and dear to my heart when it comes to our friendship with Moshe Kapinski. He, he shed light on this, uh, this tradition um, because of all the comments. You know, he hears comments from Christians all over, from around the world. 
and he put together a book called The Teacher and the Preacher based on those dialogues he's had with, with preachers and, and Christians from all over the world. And so I want to just read a portion of what he, what he expressed, uh, the sentiments that came from a, so let's, let's call him the preacher, mm -hmm. and then his answer from what we call the teacher. And uh, the, the, the preacher says this, he says, I was in Israel on the Feast of Tabernacles, and I watched as the Jewish people were buying the four species for the festival uh, outlined in Leviticus 23, the palm branch, the myrtle branch, the willow branch, and the citron fruit. I saw several using rulers to determine if the palm branch was perfectly straight or not. I saw another using a magnifying glass to see if the citron fruit had any little black blemishes on it. Now, now and then he says this, now, God does not care about those things. Your rabbis have created a whole rabbinic faith based on details and minutia that have nothing to do with God. Perhaps these details move your people away from God. That's what the preacher said. Here's what the teacher had to say in return. I cannot determine as easily as you what God does or does not care about. I only know what he clearly states to us is his desire. These are my gifts to God. I will take great pains to be detailed as I can in the fulfillment of those desires. These are my gifts, and I do not want to leave room for mistake. I listen to every, every nuance of his words and make a gift as close to God's desire as possible. I may even add more detail to my gift because, in essence, these are my gifts to my beloved. So I want to take that palm branch to be the most perfect palm branch in the world. And I want the citron fruit to be the most beautiful. The whole rabbinic system is essentially how to fulfill that, the will of God the best and the most loving way I humanly can. What God cares about is what he wants is our, and what he wants is our heart. A heart, is that, a heart that is turned toward him, a contrite heart. And therein lies the secret of relationship with God. So good. <laughs> I can't, you know, that's that. I wish every Christian in the world could read, if not this entire book, at least that conversation and rethink their criticism about the way the Orthodox Jewish people worship their God. This is a heart matter. This is a heart re a love response to the beloved. Gary, when you were reading that, I was thinking about uh, a, a man buying a gift for his wife, going to like a jewelry store exactly. and finding the perfect necklace, ring or whatever, and checking it out and making sure if it's a diamond, that's a good diamond, because that's for his beloved. That's exactly the picture that I got. Amen. In my and in, in fact, I didn't read the earlier part. Moshe makes that comparison. Mm -hmm. He would want to do that for his wife. Exactly. How much more so for the, you know, the creator of the universe. That just is a whole paradigm shift again. It just should be. To, yes. It should be. And yes. that's really, really important. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, I do not welcome. have that book yet. What It's called what? The, the, the teacher? teacher and the preacher. And, and, and the author? Is... Author is Moshe Kapinski. Okay. And, um, oh, well, this oh, dialogue. Moshe Avram Ben Baruch. Wait a minute. I could have sworn that Moshe wrote that book. But I got it at Moshe Kapinski's shop. Shop. At Sheroshim in, of the Old City. Shiroshim mm -hmm. and Old City Publications. Okay, so the, the, the teacher and the preacher. Yes, teacher yeah, and the preacher. that sounds like a good one. Oh, it's a very good. Yes. You, the, um, 
Gary, we've been celebrating Sukkot for quite a few different, quite a few years, and we do it in a lot of different ways. You know, my ministry was was birthed to celebrate these holidays and to teach uh, Christians about these holidays. So mm-hmm. we've done it everywhere from elaborate performances with costumes and and um, pageantry to, of course, putting up a sukkah in our own backyard, uh, camping out. We've we've done all of it, mm-hmm. and it's been a joyous and wonderful opportunity occasions. I have pictures. Some of the most joyous times I've ever spent are celebrating this holiday. And I'm looking forward to doing it again, starting this weekend. (laughs) (laughs) We even had a a visit from Captain Kirk one year. That's right. We did do that. Uh, Yeah, folks, we do themes sometimes and we did a back to the future theme one Mm -hmm. time. And uh, yeah, uh, we, we even had a visit from Captain Kirk, but that's a whole different story, but what a fun time that (laughs) That was. Most people who believe that Jesus has done away with the command to celebrate the biblical holidays like Sukkot may be stumped by the fact that the Bible tells us that during Jesus's reign on earth, the millennial kingdom, the thousand years, all the nations, we will all be celebrating Sukkot. Could you read that for us? Zechariah 14. Yep. Starting in verse 16, right? Or Mm -hmm. yes. Then it will come about that any of you who are left of all the nations that came against Jerusalem will go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of armies, and to celebrate the Feast of Booths. And it will be that whichever of the families of the earth does not go up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of armies, there will be no rain on them. And if the family of Egypt does not go up to enter in, then no rain will fall on them. It will be the plague which the Lord strikes the nation that do not go up to celebrate the Feast of Booths. This will be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of the nations that do not go up and celebrate the Feast of Booths. Isn't that amazing that there's still unbelief and disobedience in the millennial reign? That, that's a whole, that's, it's yes, a whole I was just thinking too. about that. Yeah. But, you know, there are people, there are believing, there are Christians who know this passage who even now are celebrating this Feast of Booths, a Sukkot, every single year in Jerusalem. You and I have been part of the uh, International Christian Embassy in Jerusalem's Feast of of Tabernacles uh, many, many years. They've Mm -hmm. been doing it since the 80s, I think. I think since 1980 since the, or 82. Yes. Or and so Christians come, thousands, tens of thousands of Christians come from around the world to celebrate in anticipation of what's been uh, talked about here in Zechariah. So we might as well get used to doing it, right? Mm-hmm. Because we're going to be doing it in the future. And that my favorite memory in, in Israel was they... they they do a parade and it's the parade of nations and you line up on the hillsides with other people from your nation in alphabetical order and then you march through the streets of downtown jerusalem blessing the people who are watching with your flags from your nations and candy for the children that was the probably the highlight of Mm -hmm. my experience there and that's where you you were talking about called this feast of the nations that's what we're talking about it's, it's, a, it's a partial fulfillment of this, is that the nations would come to Jerusalem during this and time. And I want to ask you, those of you who are listening, did you know that was happening now and has been happening since 1980, that fellow Christians from around the world are honoring and celebrating in this manner 
many, many people in the churches do not know that. And when I was sitting there one night at one of the celebrations of the ICEJ, they named all the nations that were represented. And I remember them naming Cuba. And I thought, how do they know in Cuba? How did they get here from Cuba? Mm. But they did. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, it is amazing. I mean, there's even there's even representatives from Arab nations, Muslim nations yes. that come and they get away um, from all over the world. Uh, it's it's a it's an amazing experience. You see the flags waving, the you know, people uh, just celebrating that we're all celebrating the Holy One of Israel. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I, I can I can just remember it. And then, like I said, my experience was 2005, and I remember it like I was there yesterday. Mm-hmm. This holiday, as we said, talks about this idea that, you know, during this holiday, you build these flimsy huts, okay, that can blow down in hurricanes or even a good, you know, wind gust. And it's to remind us that the Israelites lived in the desert uh, for 40 years in these particular flimsy huts. It's all about the temporariness of what man builds versus the permanence of what God builds. This is the lesson, I think, of, well, one of the very important lessons of Sukkot. And it is a common Bible theme. Yes, it is. You know, Psalm 127 says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. That's the Sukkot lesson right there. It really is, isn't it? If, I mean, we, if we ignore God's appointed time, have festivals or feasts of our own, we are we're building on, uh, I mean, it's, it's a waste. It's, it's, our, shifting it's shifting sands. It's shifting sands. Isaiah 28, 16 says, Therefore, this is what the Lord God said. Behold, I'm laying a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for the foundation, firmly placed. The one who believes will not be disturbed, washed away. Once again, this firm foundation, which is a reference to Yeshua here as the firm foundation that will not be washed away. This is the cornerstone. And this idea of building on God and his word, it's echoed in the writings of Yeshua's disciples, Matthew and Luke. Maybe, Gary, you could read Matthew 7. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. You know... It's so clear. Yes. It is so clear. We, If we ignore these foundational principles, no, yes, pun intended, you know, these are the things that our faith will, we will, it will get you through. We've talked about this before. It will get you through. Yeah, the hurricanes and all the, all the spiritual hurricanes of our lives. But if you're, if you're built on falsehood, if you're built on emotion only, if you if you've ignored the word of God, but you've you know you if said, you're built on uh, I know what the word says, but yeah, I think this oh that's that's a disaster yeah, yeah it's a disaster it, it, and and when things happen, how many times have I heard well why would God do that and you know I don't want to serve a God like that and you know we don't have the understanding the mind of God and we don't know why some things happen and why good people suffer. 
but we better understand who he is and what he expects of us and 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 this theme that 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 carries from torah all the way through uh to G- yeshua's disciples hear these words of mine and do them Amen. hear and do, do shema is that's the word shema hear and do them Amen. don't just let it go in one ear and out the other do them there's no getting away from this message this theme this pattern in the in what we call the older or the newer testaments there's no getting away no, from it's, it it's clear throughout you know we said we were going to talk about america's founding and i and i do want to to talk about that today because it's important we're here in an election year mm-hmm. and it seems that many people have forgotten our founding yeah. and and what we were founding on and so i want to back up for the last uh, part of this podcast back up a little bit to um, the year 1620 when the pilgrims landed in america because the pilgrims had a good understanding of this concept in Matthew 7 of hearing and doing and building on the foundation of God. And that was important to them. Now, you know, the the pilgrims left England because they didn't have the freedom to worship God in the way they saw fit. They were persecuted by what was then called the Church of England, still exists, Church of England, Mm -hmm. a national church, a state church. Before coming to America, they went to Holland, and there they had their first contact with the Jews. They didn't have it in England because they had been um, sent out of England several hundred years before. So they had not had contact with Jews till they went to Holland. Mm-hmm. And they, so they even had their church services at an Amsterdam synagogue before establishing their own church. And one of their ministers, Henry Ainsworth, studied the Jewish biblical interpre- interpretations with leading Dutch rabbis interesting way back in 1620 they the pilgrims were deeply grounded in the tradition of the hebrew bible what we call the old testament they saw many parallels between themselves and the children of israel they were fleeing pharaoh crossing the red sea to a new promised land they saw themselves in that picture and elder william brewster and william bradford the second governor of the plymouth colony were devoted students of the hebrew language mm-hmm. and wrote uh, tried to learn to write in the hebrew language and understand the hebrew language and if you would read there um the quote from william bradford, william bradford said hebrew that most ancient language and holy tongue in which the law the, and oracles of God were written. And Paul refers to that, too, when he talks about uh, the blessings of being um, a, a, a Jew was that the oracles of God come yes. through them. That's yes. what Bradford was talking of about. Of course. There. I mean, I, I think I, I just want to touch base before we go mm-hmm. too far from here about context, because I agree that I think that's what, what that William Bradford was thinking of. And also this idea that they were running from a national church. We, we want to emphasize the fact that when we, we look at the First Amendment and our freedom uh, to, to, to worship the, freely, and, and there, no national church would be established. That's, that's all, again, a hot topic for Absolutely. a whole other day. Absolutely, but, but, but no, but very critical here because yeah. that's how they established this nation. Exactly. Okay, yeah. so they didn't want the national church, exactly. and we all are in agreement with that. We're all in agreement with that, and I think, once again, the, the, this is a misunderstanding of uh, this, this so-called separation, separation of church of and church state. Separation of church and state. You know, Bradford and the Pilgrims, they were looking for a simpler 
purer form of Christianity as close as possible to the earlier early followers of Jesus. They tried to model the tradition they tried to model those traditions of the Jewish observances and worship, but they weren't Jewish. Even by then they may have seen them as Jewish, but they were mm. biblical, so they were going back to the Bible and that's, they saw how see that's the that difference. Was. Yeah. They were they saw the this Hebrew Bible as the foundation. Yes. Let's get back to let's get back yeah, to back it. to basics. Yes. Yeah. There even though they had Sunday worship that had already occurred okay that had already occurred but their meticulous keeping of it was modeled on sabbath keeping Mm -hmm. okay so you remember when we were growing up everything was closed exactly exactly um even the term they used meeting house was a translation of synagogue rather than using the term church Mm -hmm. so they they had that Many people believe that the inspiration for the first Thanksgiving celebration was modeled after Sukkot that we're talking about today and the timing of the festival and the theme of the Thanksgiving. And they were deeply involved in the Old Testament words. Certainly, certainly that would the harvest season that would have been foremost Mm -hmm. on their minds. It could not have not been. Yeah, I don't see how it could have. Most of the laws of the Pilgrim, uh, the Plymouth Colony, were also early forms of this democratic government, and they were based directly on the five books of Moses or the Torah. That's what they were, that was what would matter to them, and that's what they knew they had to build this new colony. They didn't know they were building an entire nation, <laughs> but they knew that for their colony and yeah. gathering of people, this was the foundation that they wanted to build on. It really is the foundation of all civilized society, and, and whether we want to admit it or not, if, if we don't, we wouldn't know what was right or wrong if not for the Torah. Right. You know, when they landed in the New World, the first thing they did was they drew up the Mayflower Compact, which was really the first democratic constitution Mm -hmm. of modern times. And in the compact, 1620, it declared that the pilgrim's endeavor was undertaken for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. So that was what mattered to them. But while they were committed Christians, it's like you said earlier, they were committed to individual freedom of conscience and the right to worship as one sees fit. They welcomed everybody into their community, whether they agreed with them uh, in their in their faith practice or not. Mm-hmm. Everybody was welcome. Everybody had full rights and citizenship privileges under the terms of the Mayflower Compact. Right. And that commitment to the freedom of conscience, their reverence for the Bible set the stage for America's founding fathers and mothers. I'll say fathers and mothers, That's right? Fine. Yes, they were there too. <laughs> exactly. So that idea of we are, are, we're building a foundation on God, yet we believe in freedom of conscience because we have suffered because in a place that didn't have that, mm-hmm. but we are building it here. And that is part of the faith is that you have a choice. That's biblical, Gary. Yes. I said before you life and death, choose Amen. life. That is a biblical concept. I have the foundation that will prosper you. You do not have to choose that. That's true. I, I, that one of one of the most important and basic uh, elements of the Torah. And it is what, human beings were blessed with maybe cursed with if in some ways but freedom to choose right yeah right so they saw that and our founding fathers also saw these judeo-christian principles i call them that now mm-hmm. these biblical principles as critical 
for building this nation, had to be built on this nation. Now, John Adams, maybe you can share. I don't know if you have a John Adams voice well, let's, in let's you. let's try. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I will insist the Hebrews have contributed more to civilized men than any other nation. It was, uh, if it was an atheist and believed in blind eternal fate, I should still believe that fate had ordained the Jews to be the most essential instrument for civilizing the nations. That was not bad. Not I bad? think you're hired. Yes, <laughs> I think that's it. Or you're cast. You're being cast. Um, so here, John Adams was saying that it was these biblical principles that were given to the, the Jewish people, okay, given to Israel, that were the civilizing influence for the entire world. Mm -hmm. It's just what you were saying. Without the Bible, we don't know right and wrong. Right. Okay? Even if you're an atheist and you know it's wrong to go out and shoot someone you disagree with, you only know that because of the Bible. Exactly. That was my point earlier. We only know what is right and wrong uh, through the Torah. And and if, why, why we want to abandon that and call it, with disdain, the law. Right. Uh, I don't know, but right. uh, it is it's, right. it's a deception. But it's the same thing. People can know that right and wrong, and still choose not to follow the God that established that that yeah, right. Yeah, th that wrong, is true. That code of conduct. I mean, you might follow the code. You may still decide not to follow yeah. the God, but at least you recognize. How, like you said, how would you know that that's wrong? How well, would you, you know? You wouldn't know it. You wouldn't know. You could be a law-abiding citizen and not believe in God, but I think we're witnessing the results of this slippery slope. When, when, when we ignore and abandon God's principles, then we see the violence in our city streets. We see yes. murder rates going up. We see prisoners who should be punished for their, their crimes being let loose on the streets only to commit them again. Yes. This is a result of ignoring these principles. That is related to the next Adam's quote, if you could share that with, uh, with our audience. Well, yes, I will. Our Constitution is made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. That's I love that statement. It's, oh, that's beautiful. It's the it's one of the best of all the founding fathers. Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of good ones, right? The the founders knew that our constitution, on which our nation has been built, only is going to work if the people are moral. And look at this, religious. Yeah. And the religion that they're talking about is the Judeo-Christian yeah, faith. It's yeah. the biblical faith. Yeah, religion gets a bad name, rap. But I think when they're using in this context, they're talking about. Oh, they are. The founders the were. Yeah, yes. yeah. It's got. Yeah. A, I mean, it didn't have a bad rap back then. Not then. No. So they're talking about a people of faith, a people of faith in this, in the God of Israel, mm -hmm. that it. The Constitution will not hold together if we have people who do not follow God. Amen. Well, I think and we're, that's we're what we're seeing. It. We're witnessing it. I, and sadly, we're the generation that has to witness this. And, it, and if this country is to survive, we have to move back to these these foundational that's principles. That's right. You know, um, so the Constitution relies on citizens and leaders who are honest fair-minded, just, according to biblical principles, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, because mm -hmm. those are the only ones that, that's the only standard there is. And in and George Washington totally agreed with this. Now, I don't know if you have a different voice well, for I Washington. It might, might be, be this. <laughs> Washington may sound a lot like he Gary. He might sound a lot like, like Gary. Gary. <laughs> but, but, I'll, but, I'll, but I'll try a little bit here. 
of the dispositions and habits that lead to political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable supports. Reason and experience both forbid us to expect that national morality can prevail in exclusion of religious principles. Once again, he's using the word religious principles. Mm -hmm. He means these biblical principles. That's what he's talking about. And that uh, we cannot prosper as a nation without holding to these principles. He knew that. He He knew knew it. That was the... uh, the foundation that was set by the pilgrims a hundred years or more before the founders knew it. They knew it. So these were in a way prophetic statements because they, they predicted they're, they're, they're talking about the day that we're living in sadly. <laughs> That's right. And again, one, one of the reasons I know Kathy, I know your heart in this, that we're the, one of the reasons we do this podcast is because we hate to see what's happening to this country okay. through this immorality and what, how it's destroying the very fabric of our nation. And we, we want to do something about it. I think you're right. I think they could, uh, I, you know, you don't say, oh, they could see into the future. They were just, it was really common sense. They knew it was yeah. so common sense that you had to have these foundations. You know, Benjamin Franklin warned what would happen uh, if the citizens of a nation lost their morality and no longer held to the standards of right and wrong set forth in the Bible. Let's try Ben. As a nation become corrupt and vicious, as they lose their morality, the people have more need of masters. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh, is that today? That's so today. <laughs> it's it's the people who create the ma- the need for the masters, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, they, they become dependent. They become dependent. They become corrupt. They become vicious. They need that strong hand. We create that as the citizenry, and then the right the leaders rise up. Think of Hitler. Oh, my goodness, you yes. Know? He took advantage of that in a big way. This goes back to our, our podcast about Nimrod. Mm-hmm. He, he made them dependent on yes. him. This is what corrupt leaders do. Right. They get you to a place where you think that uh, that but you have to have lost your foundation in order to be dependent on or to need to be dependent on the government so i still think it's not the leaders it's the people who create the leaders it's their yeah they take advantage yeah and then the leaders just rise up and take advantage of Mm -hmm. what's already there it's like Mm -hmm. oh these people are willing they're not depending on god right they can depend on me right i'll take that place i'll I'll take that that. i'll fill that void yes So when the people become corrupt, the Constitution cannot control them. They must be controlled by strong leaders. This is when dictators arise. And at this point, there's no freedom, no happiness. Mm. Uh, Unfortunately, I feel like that's where we're headed right now. Yeah, the joy is fleeting from this country. Even that idea of what happened with COVID, with the strict lockdowns, Mm. those are the dictatorial tendencies that existed within leaders um, that were not controlled by the Constitution because people have given up on those ideas of the Constitution. Well, that's a great point. None of that was voted on, right? It all all came down as as a bureaucratic fiat. Right. Yeah. That's right. You know, Samuel Adams um, talked again. Now, Samuel Adams, he was the cousin of John Adams. Right. Okay. And he was another founder. He didn't just create a beer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but he also was talking about how important god's word was Mm. for 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 the citizens of a nation 
and I quote, He who made all men hath made the truths necessary to human happiness. Uh, uh, obvious, I'm sorry, let me read that again. <laughs> he who made all men hath made the truths necessary to human happiness obvious to all. Our forefathers opened the Bible to all. The truths necessary are in the Bible. That's right. That's what is necessary for happiness to all. That's what this quote is saying mm -hmm. is um, it's the, our happiness, our well-being, our prosperity is is available to all. God has made it available to our, all and the forefathers because he's talking about those who came before him. Right. Okay. Like in the idea of the pilgrims. Mm -hmm. Okay. They had it in the Bible, yeah. and they knew it. Yeah, and he was, yeah, he was, a, he was a, a, you know, younger, obviously, and and he saw what the our forefathers were trying to accomplish by by making the Bible available to all. He felt that they we could keep them on the right track, exactly, because our our Father in heaven made those principles available. Then our forefathers are going to make it available to all as well. Amen. Good, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Audience, you may or may not know that many of the principles of our government come straight from the Bible, and most of those are found in the first five books of the Bible known as the Torah. That concept of rule of law, natural law and natural rights, representative and constitutional self-government, consent of the governed, limited powers, religious liberty, election by secret ballot, term limits, trial by jury, prohibitions against cruel and unusual punishment. These are all biblical principles, Gary. Every yeah. last one of these that we value as yes, we American do. citizens. Mm -hmm. And maybe we've taken it granted for granted until they've been taken away yeah, from you us. Yeah, know, that's the sad part. We grew up with, the, we've maybe taken these things for granted, and now we, we realize how vital they are to our survival. And one that I'd love to see um, expand is, is term limits. <laughs> yes, exactly. You, I know you've talked about I totally yeah. agree with that. Yeah. You know, these great ideas, Gary, these are great mm -hmm. ideas that come from God. They benefit every American, no matter what your religious or political Amen. views are. It doesn't matter. You benefit from that foundation, which is a Torah-based foundation. Atheists and our political forefathers, our, our, our founding fathers and mothers Amen. knew that. <laughs> they, they, they knew it, and atheists should know it today. They should, we're not trying to do anything that, to harm them. And, and yet, you know, they, they, we've got this this movement, you know, this almost militaristic movement to try to erase God from all things. And yet... It, Is we, that called shooting yourself in the foot? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Remember I said earlier about, you know, if the nations knew that they were being prayed for? Well, same thing here is that as people who believe like you and I are trying to preserve the rights for atheists as well. Exactly. Exactly. I may not agree with your rights, but right. I definitely support your right to believe it. Exactly. That is a biblical principle I set before you, life and death, choose life. Choose life. Okay? You can, but you, you don't you have, don't have to. to. If they want to choose death, they, they can do that. That's we don't right. want them to. That's right. But they can do that. You know, we could talk about this together, but let's try, I mean, forever, but let's try to, to bring us to a conclusion. Okay. What happens when a nation turns its back on God? I think we're seeing that right now. Mm. It's like we've pulled the proverbial rug out from under us. We've hacked away at our own foundations. Our house is falling right now, just mm. like my suka did that one year when the hurricane came and it fell in the pool. Mm -hmm. The pilgrims, our founders, knew the key to building a nation that would last. It has to be built 
firmly on the word of God with people committed to biblical principles. There is no way to keep this nation, to keep this nation as founded without God as its foundations. Nothing else, Gary. Nothing else no, is going to no substitute. There's no substitute. It's easy to look at the other guy and blame him for what's happened to our country, but it's time to look at ourselves. Yeshua's words recorded by Matthew and Luke tell us what we need to do to build a house on the rock. And this would be a house uh, individually, our house, mm-hmm. our family house, and our national house. Amen. And that was everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. rock. That's it, Gary, right there. Hears these words and does them. That needs to be internalized for each one of us. Don't just look out at the other guy. He may not be doing it either, but the only one you're going to control is yourself. Amen. I, and it starts, it as you said, it starts with the individual that yes. builds to, to save a country. Yes. And it's time to examine ourselves and see where we're off the path and out of alignment with God's words, where we're literally on shifting sand, okay, on either side of the path. If you're building your house in your own strength, on your own foundation, I would advise you abandon that building project right now and start anew on this foundation of rock. Mm. The message is really an old one. Repent for the kingdom is at hand. Amen. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> it's that as is, simple as that. It's so simple. And if you do choose this time to repent, and then you can follow it up with rejoicing. You can experience, along with the, all of us, the true joy of this biblical holiday of Sukkot. Yeah. It's all tied together. Yeah. When we are in God's word, when we're standing on that foundation, there is reason to rejoice. Amen. Reason yeah. to be joyful. Yeah, happiness is fleeting, but the joy of the Lord is is. Forever. Forever. So we're going to end this the same way we started. Hogsamaic, everybody. Happy holidays. Hogsamaic. Thank you for listening. Please join us next time on Torah Talk.